My name is Victoria. I come from Ghanaian parents and grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. I'm a painter turned entrepreneur on a mission to empower Black women to step into their genius and make an impact. I have a vision for creative women to feel confident and powerful and let go of all the limiting beliefs holding us back from going all out and showing up. I'm also the founder of the Kindred Creatives Collective, where I host dinners and retreats to hold space for Black women to prioritize self-care, build a tribe, and feel inspired. I want a world where Black women artists are celebrated, valued, and paid more. My goal for this podcast is to help women of color build sustainable and purpose-driven practices. Every week, I'll chat with a boss who's making bold moves in her industry as a creative entrepreneur. After hanging out with us, you'll feel empowered to build your own creative empire. Now let's start the show. Meet Ama Asantwa, a Ghanaian storyteller, performer, writer, and the founder of Yobings, a greeting card online store. Yobings creates over 80 cards internationally to show love, solidarity, and to acknowledge Black greatness. It's synonymous with thoughtfulness and lightheartedness. Ama's practice is rooted in a desire to tell her own story in her own language, mannerisms, and culture. Join us as we talk about Ama's experience adjusting to life as a creative in Chicago, her journey starting her business, Yobings, and the importance of community. All right. Hey, Ama. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for coming on. I am excited to talk more about your practice and your life as a creative. So we're going to get into it. Ready? Ready. All right, cool. So I always like to start with just kind of the background of my guests to really just understand who you are and your journey as a creative. So can you talk a little bit more about who you are and also how you started making art? When did you start making work as an artist, would you say? So my name is Amazon Tordiaka. Um, That's my real name. I'm known in the performing circles as Poetra Asantoa. I'm a poet and a singer and a visual artist. I would say that when did I start work as an artist? It would be in my 20s, very, very early 20s. I think when I turned 20. And prior to that, I was just creating for myself. Okay. Um, but but my 20s is when I started sharing my work to a public and with a certain kind of consistency in which I would decide, okay, this week I'm putting out this work next week. Like it was plotted and planned and thought of. And so I would say that would be my memory of, you know, intentionally curating myself as an artist. Mm. And would you say that you, um, your family kind of understood and supported you in your creative passions? I would say yes. And that's because I have the privilege of having parents who are artists. Oh, and nice. So, what do so they do? It, um, my father is a writer himself and my mm. mother is quite multifaceted. She paints, mm-hmm. um, she teaches, she draws. Yeah, she's a very artistic. She sews. Uh, she's a visual artist. In I general, love that. I put it into that, yeah. 
So I think, yes, it was very, it was well nurtured even from childhood to be an artist or to at least think and act like one. Um, mm-hmm. So yes, I would say my, my family has been supportive. Mm-hmm. And that's nice to kind of see that in your parents, that it's possible to be an artist and that, you know, it's, it's kind of been a part of your life. It sounds like seeing your parents both practicing their own artistic practices. I think that's really amazing. Mm-hmm. And you grew up in Ghana, right? Yes, I did. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I am Ghanaian American and we talked about this before. And I've talked to other just friends who are from Nigeria or Ghana. And they have spoken about how sometimes their parents kind of discourage them from, you know, following their creative passions because there's this thought of not being able to make money as artists, right? Or Mm -hmm. that being an artist is lazy, like it's not a real job. And I was also fortunate enough to have parents who supported me along that journey. But I know that for me, as for immigrant parents, it was this mentality of, well, you know, you have to work hard to make it. So like doing art is cool, but like make sure that you do something that you can make money from. And it sounds like you didn't grow up with that kind of discouragement from your families. Is that common in Ghana? Well, technically, no, I didn't necessarily grow up with discouragement, but I, I wasn't, I think it's similar, you know, to immigrant parents. It was like, yes, you can do art, but you know, that's not going to feed you. That's not, mm-hmm. that's not stable. And that's very much the trend or, you know, the threat that exists amongst at least yeah. most Ghanaian parents. And um, when I was growing up, I think, I think it's slightly changing, you know, mm-hmm. with, with each decade, but definitely. And, and those concerns are valid. Yeah, especially for a place like Ghana. Totally. Yeah, especially for a place like Ghana, because there there are no structures, there are no um there's no support system, there there's no the the education does not reflect the economy. It's it's really not a system that is set up to support artists. So those concerns are valid. Mm -hmm. So um parents, you know, train you technically to have white color jobs or to have paying jobs and that is the same thing in my family as well my parents were I'm I feel like every almost every Ghanaian kid at least uh, my age or even now still has have parents doing the whole you're either going to be a doctor an engineer or a lawyer you know those three stable careers and I I had the same thing as well like in the beginning uh, when I was younger my parents would ask which of these you know career lines I wanted to and I remember picking anyone, you know, it's just fancy names that you pick. I want to be a doctor. I want to be this. I want to be that. But as you grow, you learn that you are shaping yourself as well um, with, with the environment and what you're exposed to and what you're experimenting with. So definitely my parents did want me to have some kind of stable job. That was definitely in the conversation. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that they didn't they did discourage me from, you know, pursuing art. It was always, you can do both. And I think that was what happened in my, in my household. You can, you can work on both. You can perfect both. You can pursue an education, which is in line with a job that matches, that is in the market now. And you can also work on being an artist. And for me, that was how my training was. I, in my undergrad, I did business information systems. Um, and that's because when I was younger, I was fascinated with programming and computers and et cetera and data. And so that was it. 
the thread I followed, but yes. I was, I was writing and I was performing and I was doing that all as well. And so both, I would say in my, in my house, so both were encouraged. Mm. It wasn't one was discouraged or one was in both were, were encouraged. That's so important that it doesn't have to be one or the other, right? It can be and, it could be both and, you could do both. And mm-hmm. I think that's a really beautiful message because I think sometimes we think we have to choose one and if we choose mm-hmm. the wrong thing, then like our whole life will fall apart. And that's yeah. not true. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great, that's a great story. Thank you for sharing that because I think it's important to to hear that like, you know, not only is are you kind of an international artist, which I love, but also that as a um, as a young woman creative who is making art, this is something that was really fostered from a young age. So I think that's important to acknowledge. So I know that you have been in Chicago for a while and you kind of transitioned into going, getting your master's degree and kind of living in Chicago. Can you talk a little bit about that period when you moved to Chicago for grad school and how was it kind of a shift for you from what you were doing in Ghana when you were very like involved in the arts there? I moved to Chicago late, late 2017, late 2017 to do my master's in creative writing at the School of Arts Institute in Chicago. And the decision to do my master's wasn't driven by, wasn't primarily driven by a desire to further my education. It was driven by a desire to network and to study an educational module that I have been kind of researching and hoping to emulate back in Ghana. Like I, I mentioned earlier, Ghana doesn't really have a support system or structures or the education for the arts doesn't mirror the job in the economy. And so I was just, I have had my eyes on, you know, modules and communities in which like artists are trained and then they go back into their community and they fit right and they don't have to struggle for jobs or they don't have to go and do something else, which is not in line with what they're trained for. And so, yes, the School of Arts Institute was, was one of the schools that drew my attention because they were kind of mixing up both specialization and diversification. And I wanted to have a look at how that would work. And so Mm -hmm. that was one of the major reasons which inspired me to do my master's there. And so I moved to Chicago and I had, I did have some expectations, um, mainly because I'm coming from a, a climate where I had a community where I belonged to an, an art community and so I was used to that. And I was hoping to, if anything, either mirror that or have something beyond that in, in Chicago. But my experience wasn't exactly the same. I realized that it's two completely different places. First of all, the weather is different. And so the, <laughs> yeah. events, the events are different. The socialization is different. How people, you know, create networks here is different. And... I think I also took it for granted that I had formed, it had taken time to form my community back in Accra. Mm. And I kind of wanted that to happen, you know, literally months after I got here, which was, which wasn't going to happen. So yeah, there, were, there was a difference in, in communities. There was a difference in climates. There was even a difference in behavioral patterns and a difference in the kind of 
art that both communities were interested in. And of course, there was a difference in resources um, available here and available in Ghana. So it was, yeah. it's been it's been a very eye-opening experience. It's been a very challenging experience. It's also been a very warm experience. Um, I have I have watched, you know, community come together to make something work. And I have I have seen myself grow as an artist, being exposed mm-hmm. to different kinds of art, different kinds of resources, different kinds of material. I have my art has grown beyond what I used to do to encompass more wider and bigger things. And so it's been a very good great experience for me and something that I wouldn't exchange anything for. Uh yeah. Yes. I love that because it it shares a little bit about how you have to kind of move outside of your comfort zone for growth, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure coming here was that easy because it's so drastically different in Ghana. I mean, just talk about the weather, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but coming here, having to find a new community, having to kind of work through a completely different system. And like you were saying, just like different mannerisms, it's challenging. But I always say that it's super rewarding when you are able to put yourself in those environments like you just mentioned all the things you kind of got out of it how your practice grew how you grew I think is super important I don't know if I ever told you this but I lived in Ghana for 10 months Hmm. by myself did I tell you that story I don't think you did Okay. And that was the, that wasn't the first time I was in Ghana. I went with as a kid with my whole family, but that was the first time I went alone. And that was also the first time that I went to paint. So Mm. I went for kind of like a attachment to work with other artists because my family just happened to know a couple of like artists, you know, Larry Otu in Ghana. Uh, yes. I yes. Do. So he's family friends with my uncle. And so I was able to work with him and a couple other artists. And mm-hmm. so I was absolutely terrified. In fact, I pushed back my date for like two months and I didn't even really have anything going on. I was just like, no, I don't want to do this. And even when I got there, there was a transition period, even though both of my parents are Ghanaian, I've been to Ghana before. It's still different when you when you don't grow up in the culture and you don't know the like everyday lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to adjust and get used to things. And it was hard. And I actually was like ready to leave after three months. I was like, this is two months. But I ended up staying and I'm so happy I did. I stayed for the whole 10 months. And by the end of it, my practice grew. I learned so much about myself. I met some amazing friends who I'm still friends with today. And I will never take that experience away from me. Like that was such a crucial moment in my life. And I see parallels in your experience coming to Chicago with my experience and just like how much growth came from that. And so I always say it's so important as creatives, really as people to just like try and find opportunities to grow and learn, even if they're like terrifying or uncomfortable. Right. Definitely. Definitely. I love that. (laughs) So what are you working on these days? What, what's your practice looking like? Um, for the last, I think for a year now, I have been, apart from my individual practice, which is always evolving, um, I have been thinking a lot about frameworks, you know, and, and when, I, when I say frameworks, just, you know, what 
or where or how can our work exist Mm -hmm. in such a way that even when we aren't here, continuity is still something that goes on and the next generation do not have to start from scratch. And it's been something I've been thinking a lot because I know that I'm not the first artist to be doing what I'm doing. I know that there are women and men and artists in the Ghanaian space who have done what I have done and have left but there has been nobody to continue the legacy or there has been no framework to continue the legacy. And so it feels like each generation is starting something afresh. So I've been thinking a lot about frameworks and how our work, not just my work, but our work can exist in our communities um, such that when we are removed or we are absent, the work still continues. And so that's, it's, it's not directly related to my primary creative work but it's something that I've been thinking around the creative work a lot Um, of course my individual creative work keeps going on I'm still writing I'm still performing virtually Mm -hmm. with COVID uh, so that's also been an experience yeah Um, still creating and thinking of collaborations I realized that this year it's been a decade since I started performing on stage. Oh, wow. Um, and I, I was just wondering out. I, it would be nice. I was just thinking of the possibilities of having a show to kind of, you know, market, but I haven't yes. figured out the nitty gritties of it. But yeah, I, I, my work, that. yeah, my work is, has still, is still in motion, still creating. Yeah. Yes. So I know that you sing and you perform and you also write poetry, but you also have this other business that I am in love with because I think your illustrations are beautiful. Illustrations that you have. Can you talk more about kind of building that brand and how it got started? Okay. Um, So I think you're referring to Yobbins, which is a a greeting card company Mm -hmm. that I started five years ago it was it was something that I had been thinking about for two years before I started it was just something that I kept Mm -hmm. you know throwing throwing around in my head and I was very very skeptical about starting it because from the very get-go of of brainstorming I kept comparing the business with the brand that has a name in meeting cards which is Hallmark and I kept thinking who am I to think that I can compete with Hallmark? And this is me in Ghana, you know, in Accra. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was also thinking that I didn't feel like Ghanaians would buy greeting cards. Like there wasn't necessarily a market for it. But the reason why I wanted to create that brand was it was, it wasn't so much about the product, the physical product, as it was about the idea that it was a it was a culture specific product. It was something that mm. talks about us, that is about us, that you know is our, our language, our lingo, and that is what I was I wanted to sell. Not necessarily the card, but the message behind the card. And mm-hmm. so, I took a brave step. Really, just very. I back then, I think I started Yobins with um, two hundred CDs, which is about fifth. $40 and four designs. I started with four designs. It took a couple of months to start. I, I thought we would, I would start in like four weeks, but it actually took about three, three months to get it going. 
because there was a lot of back and forth and I was trying to get the right people to collaborate with. But I decided it's just four designs that I can afford right now. So this is what we will, we will start with. And it's been a very, very vast experience from learning, you know, that setting up a business is a huge thing, especially for an entrepreneur. You right. have to do a lot of things by yourself. The yeah. creation process is just the beginning. All the doubts that you have and you're thinking, should I start? That's just one quarter of it. Once the product gets out, you have to think about how are you going to constantly promote mm-hmm. one product? You have to think about how do I get it to the market? How do I make it easier for customers to get to the thing? How do I prize it? How do I position it? And how do I keep reinventing the product so that it becomes new or attractive every period of time? So it's been a very vast experience for me. Yobbins is something that I'm very, very proud of because it's not the first time I have tried an entrepreneurial endeavor. I think maybe the third, but it's been one of, it's the first that's been very successful and continues to be. And so I'm very, very proud of it um, and happy. But yeah, it's a card for, for, for Black folks. It's a card for Ghanaians and Nigerians and Africans. And my, my dream is to see it become a staple all over the world. Yes. And I will definitely have your yobings. Is that how you say yeah. it? Yeah. I will yeah. have it in the show notes so people can check it out. But they are beautiful. And they're for all occasions, all yeah. seasons, and really just a lovely representation of like our culture that I think is special. So definitely go out and check her out because I think you'll like it a lot. And I think what you touched on about just what you have to think about as an entrepreneur, there's a lot of people in my audience who are artists who are kind of transitioning into building a business or early entrepreneurs and not quite sure like what's the first step, what's the first move, what would you say is like the key to starting your own business from your experience? What was like the key that kind of pushed it forward for you? I think the key to it is, you know, visualizing the, the product or the project, however you want to start. Have, have, it's always good to have a plan, you know, a written down plan. The chances of it, you know, happening exactly as you think it is very low, but it's good to have an idea of how you want it to be and then start with what you have. Ideally, I would have loved to start Yobbins with 50 designs right away because it shows, it shows variety off, off the top. But I did not have that luxury. I only could afford or I only could do four designs. And really, technically, like I could just print 10 copies each, which is very, very low. That's like I was trying to sell to 40 people for the first two months. But the thing is, you need to start. I think that's one thing that we we struggle with as creatives. We want everything to be perfect before we start. Right. But, But even if you have everything things won't, won't go as planned because right. you're not, you're not the only person in, you know, the hierarchy or you're not the only person who is going to be the buyer, the, the gifter or the receiver. There are other factors that all affect it. And so start with what you have, learn your mistakes as you go and improve upon yourself. Mm. Repeat and rinse. That's how it's always going to be. And it's, it's a journey. It's a constant journey. I'm, I'm still on that. Everywhere I go, every market, I have to start with what I have. Anything that I face, I add it on and I improve for the next cycle. Yes. Really yeah. good advice. Thank you for sharing that because I think it's important to 
start before you're ready, like you were mentioning, and to really just think about what you want to do and why, and then like, you know, be consistent. All of that advice is super important. And it does, it's a lot to be an entrepreneur is hard and you're constantly putting yourself out there. But I think the rewards are worth it. Just having something you're passionate about and that you love doing, I think is worth it. So thank you for sharing those keys of wisdoms. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. So I have one more question for you. And Mm -hmm. I always love to ask this question because I I just think it's like, it gives such good insight. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, what's the best advice you've been given? And it could be about anything, about life, about business, about family. What would you say is the best advice that you've been given? I think the best advice I have been given is do not be afraid to fail publicly. Mm, yes Um, do not be afraid to feel public and it's something that I think has been very helpful for me especially and I think for most people who aren't used I think it's just natural to not to not be used to having eyes on you Mm -hmm. right to to and I think as artists a lot of our work is in such a way that we we the, the work demands an audience and that's the only way you can improve and so the, the only way we can improve is when our work is shared. Mm-hmm. But, and because of that, we always want to be perfect. But the thing is, I, I, one of the best things I've been told is do not be afraid to fail publicly. If, yes. if, it's, if what you've done is, is, is bad, that's good. Um, take it in good stride and go back to the table and reinvent or rework. Um, so that's been something that's been very helpful for my personal practice. Yes, I love that. And it's also something I believe that Mm -hmm. failure is not a bad thing. It just gives you more feedback to grow and learn. So totally agree. So I just wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about anything that's coming up for you, anything you want to kind of share or promote. You can share your website. Um, Just share any information you want with my audience so they can check you out. Um, Yes, I would love if everybody followed me on my social media handles um which is asantua with one a that's uh my main um social media if you follow me on there you see all my other works so it's a-s-a-n-t-e-w-a w-i-t-h one the, the, the number one and a that's my handle on all platforms twitter and instagram and yeah, if you follow me, and I would love to have people be part of my newsletter so that they keep in touch with me for everything that I have coming up. I have a book coming out next year um, with Echo Books. Um, I have a Collins imprint next year, so I'm very excited about that. And a, a lot more projects in the works. So, yes, yeah. I'm so excited for your book. I have yeah. to, we have to talk again when it comes out. Maybe you can come yeah. back on here and share to promote it because yeah. Yeah. that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Congrats. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Thank you for coming on and sharing. And I will definitely have all your good information down on the show notes so that people can check you out and let's stay in touch because I do plan to go to Ghana next year. So when I go, I will definitely you know, look you up so we can meet. And yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. You're, you're leaving pretty soon, right? Yes. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, you're leaving at a good time because winter is around the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Yes. All right. Thank you so much. See you next time. See you. Thanks. See you next week. Same day, same time. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And send me a comment if you really like this one. And remember to uplift and support another woman creative today. Always remember to embrace your creative genius.